We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee and a special guest today, our good friend Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member. He's in the building and we'll chat with him about the NFL honors ceremony. And we're going to go over some 49ers free agency stuff because it's about time we start diving in to that. But first, we're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. You can visit the brewery. It's located in Santa Rosa. Good beer, good food, good vibes. Go hang out there. If you can't do that, or you want to order some beer at home, you can do that at cooperagebrewing.com. That's cooperagebrewing.com. Go there, order a case. They will send it right to your front door. The very best way to acquire beer. We say it every time, but it's even more true today. Couldn't tell you why, but that's the case. Cooperagebrewing, cooperagebrewing.com. Let's talk football. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So we're recording this Thursday night, the NFL trade deadline, or the NBA trade deadline passed about eight and a half hours ago. We saw that the Suns made a move for Kevin Durant and felt that we had to make a corresponding move. So we brought in Nick Wagner. Nick, thanks for joining us. We acquired you for five second round picks. Your thoughts? Second round picks are the new first round picks, I think. That's what I heard. Yeah, but that's okay. I, think, I think the Suns get what the, the Suns give up many first round picks. So I guess I fell more into the GP two Sadiq Bay level of uh, of compensation. But I'll take it. This is a joke. Nick's not actually joining the podcast permanently. We didn't actually acquire him. Right. But I really wanted to make that joke. So I was like, you want to do the pod tonight? Like, sure. You're a good yeah. friend. I was invited here basically so Kyle could make that joke, which I'm quite certain probably didn't land that well. <laughs> no, I know it didn't. I know for sure it didn't. As I was telling it, I was like, this isn't going the way. Like it like it sounded funnier in my head, but that's okay. We're going to talk football. We're not going to talk. Sp- speaking of jokes not landing, hey, how about the NFL Honors Show? <laughs> <laughs> nice, what are you dude. talking about? No, no, widely known comedian Kelly Clarkson had this, the crowd in season. <laughs> oh, dude, man. Did we know why Kelly Clarkson hosted that? Because she's famous? She's is a she talk show host? I think right. 
Yeah. Isn't that what she does now? Yeah, she does Ellen, but it's like Kelly. Oh, like she took over for Ellen, or it's like her own version on a different channel? I think it's like her. Is that a Disney property? ABC? ABC ABC. definitely is. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Anyway, Nick Bosa won Defensive Player of the Year. Kelly Clarkson. Did they think it was uh, any, Carrie Underwood? She was a Sunday Night Football song. Well, no, it wasn't Carrie Underwood. It was Kelly Clarkson. No, I know, but did they make a mistake in booking? Where they're like, get the lady from American Idol, and they're like, Kelly Clarkson, got it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Kyle Shanahan was second in Coach of the Year. Brock Purdy was third in Rookie of the Year. Should we talk about Brock Purdy and the fact that he went on the radio in San Francisco this week and said that there's still a possibility he could have a reconstruction element to his surgery that would cause him to miss nine to 12 months. Yeah, we should probably talk about that. Okay. <laughs> um, a little problematic, like it, the, the messaging from the team and Nick, feel free to correct me if I, if I'm wrong at all here, but the messaging from the team is they feel that it's pretty certain that it'll be a six month injury and, and Brock will be ready in time for training camp. Or have they kind of waffled on that? Like, what's your interpretation of what they're I mean, expecting I just, with Brock? I go back. I go back to what John Lynch said at the end of the season press conference, and he said, "You know, they're looking at everything. What we're seeing so far is uh, everything is pointing in the direction of the six month repair surgery." But he did add an important caveat, which was they don't know everything until they get in there and see it, and right. so. Okay. And that's really where Brock Purdy's coming from. So really, it's kind of the same messaging. Is Got it. Okay. The hope is that it's going to be six six months. Everyone believes that right now. But they, if they look in there and it looks different than what they might have seen in pictures and the MRIs and all that kind of stuff, it could be it could be something more significant. So that's kind of why they're leaving that little bit of wiggle room that you're hearing right now. How so, did it impact the voting for offensive rookie of the year? Do you think? Great question. <laughs> you mean which surgery he's gonna have? <laughs> I, I... <laughs> they're like, we can't confirm he's having the internal brace done. Mm, third place vote. Yeah, exactly. Knock exactly. some points off. A more certainty on this. That's uh, what makes the Ian Rappaport report on Wednesday so interesting to me, because, like John Lynch said, like every doctor I've heard talk about this, talk about this this type of injury, a UCL tear. So I'm like, yeah, you can get imaging and imaging now is better than it was, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. But still, you don't know the state of the UCL because the ligament is so small. You don't know if it's repairable until you look at it. Right. And like the thought is, OK, it's not the same wear and tear as a baseball pitcher. It was like a blunt force injury. So the thinking is it's not going to have the wear and tear that a pitcher's arm does. That's why pitchers get the Tommy John. It's not like right. a one-time impact tear. The thing. But also, they don't know for sure. So it's weird that Ian Rappaport came out and was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be six months, and this guy's going to do the surgery, and he'll be back for training camp. It was just an odd it's an odd thing that kind of flew in the face of everything we've heard about this injury to this point. Well, the other thing, too, that's, that's interesting about the whole situation, and this is from talking to a few people around the team, is that like the six month recovery timeline is like it's being used as like this hard and fast thing and there's flexibility on it. And mainly because it's possible, like if you say six months from next week or two weeks, sorry, when he's supposed to have the surgery on the 22nd, well, that puts you into August, like, and not in like early August, that puts you like three weeks into training camp. Um, But 
But there's also the ability that he could be ready for the start of training camp, depending on how he recovers, because if it goes the way they hope, which is just the internal brace repair, after three months, he starts rehab. Nick Mullins, who is the only quarterback on record that we have that's had the same exact surgery, was throwing again at four months. And that doesn't mean he was at full speed or he was able to let it let it fly like he was before the surgery, but he was already throwing at four months, which theoretically, you know, a month later, a month and a half later, he could have been participating in training camp at, at some level if he was on this same path. So if Brock Purdy follows that same type of schedule, it is possible that it won't be a full six months. Now, maybe the Niners will take the full six months just to be sure um, if they're that certain about Purdy or, or whatever. But um, there are, yeah, to Kyle's point, there's a lot of X factors in this and there always has been, which is going to always be the case when you have an injury where they haven't actually seen it uh, in person other than on, on photos. Should should they be as comfortable as they seem going into the off season with just Trey Lance as like the lone starting option right now? Or, or do you think they're going to look harder at a potential, like somebody who they might feel more comfortable with starting at some point in the off season? Like, I don't know, Matt Ryan, if he gets cut by the Colts or somebody like that. Yeah, I think I think they'll look at him. It's gonna it's all gonna be very cost dependent. And I think even last year that was the case. You know, uh, I think that they were would have been more interested in some of those guys if the prices had been more manageable. But you saw, you know, Andy Dalton got a pretty decent sized contract. Tyrod Taylor got a decent sized contract. Some of those names that you thought might be available ended up getting more. So if that's the case again, it's gonna be hard for them to do that. But yeah, I think. I think they'll they'll kick the tires on some of those kind of mid tier guys. And Jacoby Brissett is another name that I would keep an eye on if you know if the price is right. But again, I think you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have teams that are you know more teams that need quarterbacks than are actually quarterbacks available. And so even Matt Ryan, which I think you know as a third quarterback who would be a great mentor for these young guys, that'd be terrific. But is Matt Ryan at this stage of his career going to want to do that and and take a, a small amount of money to come here and and probably not play i mean he could theoretically but i don't know I, I don't know i don't i don't know what his line of thinking is right now and from from stephen holder's piece the other day on espn.com my teammate I, I i didn't get the impression that matt ryan even knows right now exactly what he wants to do next year because the colts obviously still control his rights but yeah they're gonna have to i think add somebody who has some sort of playing experience at some point this offseason and um i thought i thought it was interesting when kyle shanahan and john lynch were were talking to us and Kyle Shanahan was kind of, you know, making it seem like, Oh, we're not going to do anything. And then John Lynch was like, well, you know, it's my <laughs> job to make sure he knows what all the options are. And, and that to be fair, <laughs> Shanahan got that far yet. Right. But, but Lynch definitely threw that in. Like, yeah, it's my job to make sure, you know, Kyle just got done coaching a season. It's my job to make sure he knows what the options are and he will be well apprised of those before we hit free agency here in about a month and a half or a little, little over a month, I should say. Could an opportunity to appear in George Kittle's song at next year's NFL <laughs> honors ceremony sway Matt Ryan and his decision making? I wonder. I mean, Matt Ryan might possibly. Yes. Matt, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan might only come on the condition that he never has to hear that song again. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that could happen, I suppose. That would take them playing it before games off the table. I would think so. I would think so. Mm. But but you Real know who's, gonna, who's even going to play the song? before games you know nick craig gone that's yeah. a big loss we should have opened the pod gone. with that yeah chief of staff out. nick craig kyle shanahan's chief of staff is moving on to the houston texans 
if you don't know what a chief of staff does, it's hold a bit holds a big boombox when players come out <laughs> of the tunnel uh, pregame, among other responsibilities, I'm sure. But I think that's what he's most famous for. Shout out to DJ Cray. He's a good he's a good man. <laughs> I, no, seriously, I, I I wish I wish him well in Houston. But uh, yeah, that is that's another loss they're going to have to uh, to get over. They got another opening, chief of staff. Well, they they dealt with all the brain drain on the offensive staff this last year. I think I I, I feel okay about their chances to overcome this loss this offseason. Awkward so. silence. I hope so. I have no. <laughs> day, I don't have any Nick Cray takes, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, um. It's weird that he's called the chief of staff. That's, that's weird. just a. It's a great title. It's really. It's it's genuinely strange. <laughs> Uh, I thought tonight- it was a bit. Like I really thought it was a bit at first. It's like, is this something I missed? No, nope, it wasn't. Are we surprised that Christian McCaffrey didn't win Comeback Player of the Year? No. They need to change the name of the award. I agree. Like, uh, here's the thing: I don't care about awards. I really don't. It's 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 like I, I it's it's great. I guess if you're trying to argue with fans of other teams to be able to point to. Oh, my guys, my team's guys won this award, that award, whatever. Sure, that's fine. But I do think it's silly that the comeback player of the year award goes to somebody who ostensibly won the award for being not good previously. <laughs> and 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 the thing is, is that like I think the Geno Smith story is great. So this is not by any means a knock on Geno Smith. Like I was happy for him. It was a cool story, but like Geno Smith played, started like four games last year and actually had a better passer rating last year than he did this year. And so, so like, I think there needs to be like, I don't know, breakthrough player of the year or something like that. Most like, improved? Most improved or breakthrough player, like somebody who kind of came out of nowhere and, you know, had an impressive season, whereas comeback should be reserved for guys who legitimately came back from something that, you know, threw a big wrench into their career or whatever, uh, physically or, or something like that. But again, I, I honestly don't care enough to like, you know, really push for it. <laughs> I just, I just thought that was, I thought that was interesting. The precedent got set with Ryan Tannehill though in 2019. Like he just wasn't very good. He played 12 games in 2018 and got benched for Brock Osweiler. Yeah. And then but- in 2019, he goes to, goes to the Titans with, I think it was, was it Matt LaFleur that year or Arthur Smith, whoever it was. And was awesome. And now I guess it was definitely Arthur Smith. Matt LaFleur was with the Giants by that point, or the, the Packers by that point, but he was really good and it was like, oh hey, comeback player of the year. Like, no, he wasn't. He was right. Just right. After Jimmy Garoppolo like had a pretty good season and you know, quarterback the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl with the number one seed after right. missing the twenty eighteen season with an ACL tear. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, the, like Alex Smith winning comeback player of the year is like to me. That's what it should be about. Right, like, right, right. You know, like it, look at what this guy overcame to to do. And like, I think this year, like Nick Gates from the Giants, you can you can make a case for 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 similar reasons. And you know, next year, if if you know, have, you know, hopefully, hopefully it happens. Demar Hamlin's able to come back. Like that's a slam dunk, right? So like that that's kind of that's kind of how I see it. But again, I don't I don't need to belabor more. You know, like let's let's hammer these awards and what they who should win and what they should be called any more than we already have. This can is I great say, podcast content for sure. Can I say a take that might get people to not listen to this podcast anymore? Mm. I don't love yeah. that idea. I mean. <laughs> I kind of think they got coach of the year right. Yeah, I mean that giant look. Brian what Dayball Kyle Shannon did what Kyle Shannon did was amazing. It was his best coaching job, and he finished in a very close second place. And if he'd won the war the award, like I get it. But 
based on what we know the award to be, like Brian Dable went to the playoffs in his first year as a head coach with Daniel Jones, who prior to this year was terrible. And a receiving core that featured a lot of Richie James. <laughs> like it was it was just not that good of a team. And they start six and one and they fell off a little bit at the end, but they wind up making the postseason. Like that yeah. that to me was like, hey, Brian Dable had his fingerprints on this like crazy. And yeah. you could say the same for Kyle Shanahan and, and Brock Purdy. Like I get it. He, he Kyle Shanahan did, Shanahan did an unbelievable job. But when we like look at this award and we know what this award is about, like I think Brian Dable was was always probably going to win it. My pushback would be like a lot of the times the public and general consensus like on a team coming into a season is just wrong. And like maybe we were just all wrong about the Giants and Brian Dayball was good. And you think we're... they have a lot of good players on their roster? No, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I just think like in general, like the same thing is true, like. Derek Rose winning the MVP over LeBron James in 2011, right? It was like, oh, everyone thought the Bulls were going to be worse. And Derek Rose lifted them, and they were, like, among the top seeds in the East that year. And then LeBron, clearly the best player, but because he doesn't have the narrative on his side, doesn't get it. Like, I I just, you know, I I think there's a narrative element that's a little bit faulty. Not that I really care all all that much, but, like. The, the one strong the one strong take I have on any awards is like I'm a firm believer that if you are if you have the coach of the year, you also can't have the MVP. Like it, it's it's either one or the mm. other. Like you're, you're not elevating like who's elevating the team, right? Like who's who's really the key to that. So the argument that you could make against Kyle Shanahan, and he didn't have the MVP, but he did have the defensive player of the year. He had a he had the top three finisher for comeback player of the year and for uh for offensive rookie of the year and the assistant coach of the year so all those things if you look at it you could argue went against Kyle Shanahan I would argue I'm with Kyle like I don't think anyone got robbed here I think Kyle Shanahan probably should have won the award in 2019 and then we don't you know we don't have to worry about it as much because that was when he did the first worst to first which is ostensibly why Dayball won it this time Mm -hmm. uh you know not first but you know getting to the playoffs or whatever but I think that the the thing, two things, Kyle Shanahan, that I think made him would have made him deserving, most deserving this year. One, obviously, the quarterback situation. No one else is getting as far as they did in winning as many games convincingly right. with three quarterbacks, obviously. But the thing, the other thing that gets ignored to me that's crazy is is dude turned over almost his entire coaching staff. He had a yeah. whole new offensive coaching staff, basically, except for his own line coach. And they didn't miss a beat. And you could argue they were better. So yeah. uh, it's at a lot of positions too. So his ability to identify and then develop coaches um, maybe, maybe the best in the league. And um, it makes you wonder when he's ever going to get it because now they're expected to be good and being expected to be good is like the first check Mark against you uh, in these types of conversations. But, but I, I would also say that cares that much either, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. But I, I would also say like having the assistant coach of the year and having the comeback player of the year and having, or not, or a candidate, like having all these candidates for all these awards, that reflects well on Kyle Shanahan. Totally. Right. Like totally. Kyle Shanahan tried to get, like Kyle Shanahan pushed for the Christian McCaffrey trade. Kyle, Mich- Kyle Shanahan identified Rock Purdy and developed him. Kyle Shanahan hired D'Amico Ryans. So like, yeah. like we're you, like, oh, he has a great defense. He's being propped up by his great defense. I was like, yeah, but he's the guy pulling the trigger on all these hires and helping the front office make these picks to all these players that turn out to be good. 
I, so, I agree completely. And I'm just trying to say like from the vote from voter standpoint, and I'm not a voter. So I, I would and I would have voted for Kyle Shanahan just to be completely uh, clear here. But I, I think that they're probably viewing it as like, oh, I've already voted for a Niner to, to win this or win that or whatever. Like, I do sure. think that might, that might seep into the into that conversation a little bit. But anyway, it's it's like I, I think Chris made a good point. It's like that LeBron fatigue where it's for what like a decade LeBron could have just won MVP every year like everybody knows Kyle Shanahan's awesome everybody right. knows Kyle Shanahan is is one of the best coaches in the league hasn't Bill Belichick never won it I think he's won it once I was literally just gonna look it up though <laughs> that's that would be wild if he'd never won I know he's but yeah I... it's just like I, I think it I think it's I think you guys make a good point about the voting though it's like oh he's got it three he'll... times Three, okay. I think a lot of people just look at Kyle Shanahan and go, yeah, he's awesome. Doug Peterson turned around the Jags and Brian Dable um, uh, took that Giants roster to the playoffs. And I think there's probably a little East Coast bias in there too. Mm -hmm. But I just... It's also... Is Mike Tomlin's never won it. If you... Here's my... If you removed Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers and removed Brian Dable from the Giants and just gave them league average coaches. Both gave them Jeff Fisher. And <laughs> I think the Giants are significantly worse than the Niners. That's fair. I will say, like, with Kyle Shanahan, like, year to year, it's a little bit different than if you zoom out and, like, look at, like, what he inherited in 2016, right? Like, Kyle Shanahan inherited a 2-16 and 16, or a 2-14 and 14 team. Right. And then basically turned it into a team that's gone in gone to the NFC championship game in three of the last four years. Right. It's it's basically why if you're a consistent contender, you get a one year window to win this award or you're not going to win it. And yeah, the first year you're good. Yeah. That's basically, that's basically what it boils down to. Um, unless you have a drop off and you can bounce back or whatever. But Mike Tomlin's a great example. 16 straight seasons has never had a losing season and has never won coach of the year. No. Nick so. Sirianni wasn't even in the top three this year. 14 and one when they're starting quarterbacks in the lineup. Yeah, it's like it, th- this is along the same lines of the argument of like, do you have just the most outstanding player, or the most valuable player? Because the most valuable player has an element of lifting, you know, a shitty situation around you. Whereas most outstanding, you can be on the best team, but part of the reason that team is the best is because you're the best in the league or whatever, right. you know. And your and your situation's not necessarily used against you. Anyway, should we talk about free agents now? <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Okay, 49ers um... free agents. So we're going to go through not all of the unrestricted free agents, um, but the top, what did we say, eight here, just based on, um, based on, it's actually sorted by their current average annual value of their contract, but it's also just kind of their eight big free agents. So we're going to go through and talk about whether they should resign them or whether they will. And I think will is probably the most, the more important conversation here because should they resign all of their guys? Like, yeah, probably. But they also probably won't. So uh, let's just start at the top here. We'll start with Jimmy Ward. Um, well, let's preface this first. As of right now, they have $8.1 million in cap space, according to overthecap.com. Which, which is not a lot. Which doesn't and include... And extension to get done. Yeah. But Nick's, Nick's number will probably shrink his, his number for this year. Um, and I do think, and Jimmy Ward is on the books for this year, but I think it's a fake. This is a fake year for, for his Oh, it's a void year. Yeah, it's a void year. Okay. 
So Jimmy Ward is the first one. Um, I'm interested to hear from you guys because Jimmy Ward at his end of season locker clean out kind of seemed like he was out. Um, Nick, and on Instagram, your... he sure seemed like he was out too. Yeah. Nick, what, what's your, what's your take on Jimmy Ward? Because he's a player that I look at for the Niners and it's like, I don't know that they have a great replacement lined up for him. And I just think, I think he's a really, really good player that, that you want to have on your defense. Yeah. I, I mean, I think your read on it is pretty good that it's going to be tough to bring him back. I think the one thing I can say for sure confidently is that Jimmy Ward wants to play free safety. Um, and he made that clear on social media and stuff, but, you know, I talked to him throughout the year and it was always, if, if not explicitly stated, implied very strongly that he didn't love playing nickel. But I do think that he, if when he come, looks back on this experience of playing nickel all year and playing well at nickel, will realize it didn't hurt his value. It, it actually probably helped his value if he's willing to do that. And, and that's the whole thing that gets lost in this conversation about, oh, is he a nickel? Is he a free safety? Like when he was playing free safety in their sub packages, he was essentially playing like a nickel, a lot of, a lot of snaps uh, in 2021. So it's not like, it's not like it's an uncomfortable spot for him. I think it's just missing that element of like giving him that opportunity to go on the back end and, and be kind of the enforcer that cleans everything up and, and make that, you know, top free safety money. I just don't know. I think his price is probably going to be higher than what the 49ers can afford. And so that probably makes it unlikely that he returns where he lands. I don't know, you know, talking to him before last season about his last free agency experience. Like he was telling me that he had a lot of teams that were interested in him as a nickel um, and not as many at free safety. And so um, maybe teams will look at him as a nickel. And if that's the case, then if the Niners make him an offer that's pretty reasonable at free safety, then you can't rule it out. And it would be cool for him to come back because it would get him, you know, on the 10 year wall. It, it, that's, that's kind of a, a pretty cool honor. And I, I know he told me before the season that last year, that was something that he would, he would love to achieve. But um, my, my guess is he's probably not back, but I just, I'm very curious to see how his market plays out because I think there's a lot of different directions that it could go. Well, what's interesting about it, too, is you remember back to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, basically every third down passing situation, he's down on the line of scrimmage covering Travis Kelsey, like in man to man. Like he's, you know, that he's he's that versatile to where, yeah, he can play deep free safety. But when you need him to cover a guy, he can do that in special situations, which was the wrinkle that they had in that game on third down. Um, I'm with Nick in that, like, Jimmy made it pretty clear that he did not love being switched to nickel i thought it was just kind of wild overall that like a, a guy who was a team captain was asked to change positions really against his will um and if his story is true about like going to kyle shanahan and, and shanahan saying like well you can sit the bench if you don't want to play nickel anymore like i don't know it, like is that disrespectful i feel like it could be disrespectful i feel like it also could be shanahan sort of like he's he's humorous but and like this, I think this is relatable, like being humorous, but kind of coming off like a dick while you're being humorous, you know, like sarcastic story of my life. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so maybe like, yeah, you know, you deal with me a lot. So like, maybe that's what it was, but I just overall, like, 
I think it's a little bit weird because Kyle Shanahan had talked so glowingly about the way he felt about Jimmy Ward years prior. And for for it to end a, like kind of a sour note, which seems like it's heading to, is a little weird. Um, and it, 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 it would leave a pretty substantial hole on the defense, whether it's at nickel or at free safety, because Ward's really good at both. And so, you know, are you going to find a guy with your limited draft capital that can play both? Are you going to hope that Diamador Lenore and Samuel Womack can fill that void? And, you know, Tarvarius Moore, a guy who didn't really play a whole lot at all this season. Um, yeah, he's, he's, oh, he is unrestricted. Yeah, Tarverius Moore is unrestricted, so you got to deal with that too. More on him later. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's listed with all the restricted guys in this list, which is a little weird. But anyway, because it's um, sorted by APY. Right, right, right. Okay, fair. So obviously, I'm kind of expecting Jimmy Ward to follow D'Amico Ryan's to Houston, right? I agree. No, Nick's making a face. Uh, Nick, for those of you all listening on the podcast, Nick's making a face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not so sure about that. I'll just leave it at that. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. That derails all of my thoughts. Didn't the Raiders used to want him? They did. They did. That, the Raiders that was the runner up. Uh, in the, in the, actually, the Raiders offered more money for him. Uh, okay. the last oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to make a prediction. I think he goes to the Bengals. Okay. Oh, because they're gonna lose. I because they're gonna Jesse Bates is gonna get paid, paid, okay. And Jimmy Ward will cost less than him, and he's I think as good of a safety. Maybe yeah, he's a he's a interesting. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, he he went to college in the Midwest and is from the South, so that makes yeah. sense. I think he's got ties over the, in in that direction. What's interesting is Jimmy Ward last year before the season was talking a lot about how like the one thing missing from his game was like the splash plays, getting takeaways and stuff like that. And he is kind of explaining it like the position that he was playing simply didn't give him a lot of opportunities to do that. Like his back was to the defense a lot. He was doing a lot of things on the back end that didn't give him to do it. And then when he played nickel, he did get a lot of those opportunities and made some big plays. Like there were, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he created an interception in a, in a playoff game that was important and had some picks and stuff like that. So um, he at least got a chance to show that he has those ball skills. So I think if he's at least willing to say, Hey, like, I would prefer to play free safety, but if you want to kick me down into nickel in those situations, which to me, I thought that's how the Niners should have been using him all year was like, you can yep. still play Tishon Gibson, but just put him in there in the nickel and move Jimmy Ward to slot then. And I don't, think it's, a, I don't think it's a big deal. I thought that's what they should have done. But regardless, if Jimmy Ward has that willingness, I think that maybe it ups his price and uh, opens up his market a little bit. Yeah. His versatility has always been one of the things that to me made him a special player. So I don't, and I don't think he would mind it if it was like, hey, here and there you're going to move down. But I think the permanent like, hey, Tayshawn Gibson's the free safety. And it's like, this guy who got here three <laughs> days before the preseason finale is taking my spot? Like that, I I, I get it. Yeah, I definitely get it. I'd also bet a large sum of money that Kyle Shanahan was joking when he said the ride the bench thing. Like, do that thing where he like smirks. Yeah, but if you're Jimmy well, Ward, you could just kind of stating the obvious. Like, right. there. I mean, no, we're telling you we're starting to Sean Gibson. So if you don't want to play there, where are you going to play? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, do, subs- I do subscribe to the thing that the idea that like the Niners secondary badly needed Jimmy Ward at nickel because the other options just weren't great. No, for sure. After Emmanuel Mosley was that like, yeah, Jimmy Ward's a better free safety than to, than to Sean Gibson. 
but they didn't have anybody else to play nickel once Emmanuel Mosley got hurt and Diamondor Lenore had to move outside. So tough look for Sam Womack. Yeah, I really thought he was gonna he was gonna solidify himself there, but I guess his his rookie season was a little bit more rough than we anticipated. Uh, all right, let's move on. Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's weird how many people are like they should just bring back Jimmy. It feels like that's kind of out off the table. I just I don't never say never. Right, of course. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm, you said it, so I don't have to. But I think like it doesn't make sense for either side to me to bring him back, and that's that's what's getting. Even if awesome. Brock is out for a year, yeah, because. To me, it's like you're you're just hitching your wagon to a, a horse that's going to pull up lame and, at the halfway mark again. You know, like how many times are you going to keep doing the same thing over and over if you're the 49ers and expecting a different result? Like that's I think that's a huge part of it for them. The other part of it, of course, is the money, which is the easy part. And that's the part where Jimmy Garoppolo probably doesn't want to come back because he would have to take less probably to make it work here and all those kinds of things. He's going to have a little bit bigger of a market and he's going to have better opportunities where, you know, he could, he could start again somewhere else. But if you're the 49ers, and again, this is nothing against Jimmy Garoppolo. I I'll be the first to say like, he's leaving them in a much better place than he found them. And he played a mm-hmm. role in that, whether, whether you love him or hate him or somewhere in between, like there's no denying that the Niners were a better football team when Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarterback over the last five years. Yep. But the problem was he wasn't at quarterback enough to get them over the hump and get them to where they want to go. So this year it was, it fell in their laps that he was, he came back at a reduced price and it worked out and he got hurt again. And that was always the issue. It was always going to be that when we were sitting, we could be sitting here in early November and Jimmy's playing well, really well. And everyone said, well, I think you got to bring him back now. And and I'm over here like, let's see if he makes it through the season. And he didn't, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm not. It's not a victory lap. It's just the reality of the situation. Right. So if your if your window every year is dependent, if jumping through the window is dependent on having Jimmy Garoppolo on the field and healthy as your quarterback, I just don't think you can keep making that bet over and over and over again. If you're 49ers, but somebody's going to sign him. Yeah, no, I'm not saying. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I just I'm just saying, like, if you're the 49ers, you're in a different position than a lot of those other teams. Yeah, I. You got to win it. You're kind of. It kind of feels like Jimmy goes to the team that doesn't get Aaron Rodgers or maybe the Packers if Rodgers mm-hmm. leaves. Like if the Raiders don't get don't get Rodgers, I think Jimmy makes sense there. If the Jets don't get Rodgers, I think Jimmy makes sense there. Um, the Dolphins would make a lot of sense, I think, yeah. because, you know, to, as Tua insurance, because you don't really know like, you know what, like Tua could, is, is going to be perpetually one hit away. Right, mm-hmm. which is the unfortunate reality of it. So there's that. Um, but I do think Jimmy is gonna land on his feet with a with a chance to start. Hell, he could he could go to Houston. What about Arizona? Yeah. I mean, what what about Washington? Like to me, like are we really buying that Sam Howell is gonna be their guy? No, I know Rivera was pushing that today, but like that was the team that was gonna do it last year, and and maybe they're you know a little more gun shy after the Carson Wentz experience, but those are two very different dudes. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm with Chris. I think if, if the Raiders don't get Rodgers, it's probably Garoppolo to the Raiders. Um, and if if the Raiders do get Rodgers, then I could see the Jets, although I think the Jets are going to be strong in the car mix, um, however that shakes out too. So, Oh, yeah, um, there's New Orleans, speaking of car. Yeah, New Orleans. There's, so, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. Again, you've got more, 
you know, demand than you do supply. And that's going to work to his favor, even as a guy who's struggled to stay healthy. How have the Cardinals not hired a quarterback? A... What's that? Carolina doesn't have a quarterback either. No, no. How do the how do the Cardinals not have a head coach? Have we all just they're forgotten waiting... that the Cardinals are, are like head coachless? They're waiting till after the Super Bowl. They're going to hire one of the Eagles guys. Maybe. Well, what's interesting is is hoping Andy Reid becomes available. <laughs> what's What's interesting is is there are two finalists right now. They could hire either one of them right now. Mike Kafka from the Giants and Lou Anaramo from the Bengals, the D coordinator, but they are not hiring anyone this week. So I, I'll just say keep an eye on Jonathan Gannon. That's what I'll say, the, the Eagles defensive coordinator. Oh, mm. interesting. This sounds this sounds like it's coming from a place of knowledge. Um, no guarantees, but... Very I, interesting. Never say never. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. I think the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo need to separate from one another. I think Kyle Shanahan's reaction, the, the way he, he talks about it in the press conference signaled as much. Yes. They're at the Mark Jackson point of the relationship where it's like, this is only going to start deteriorating. <laughs> so separate now. Or the Jim Harbaugh. You could call Jimmy needs Jim. to go find his Mike Brain and the 49ers need to go find their Steve Kerr. <laughs> at the quarterback position, I mean. Yeah. No, well said. That worked. That worked. I'm going to... There's Steve Kerr with a healthy elbow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Anything else on Jimmy Garoppolo? Nope. Okay. No, I don't see any scenario of that. (laughs) Did we pay proper respect to number 10 just now? Uh, Samson Ebicom. He's next on the list. I feel like he's going to be back. I don't think he did enough to get like a huge deal. And the Niners are just going to be like, yeah, come back on us. I, I think there will be a team that will be willing. Like, the Niners' price will be well below what another team would be willing to pay. He's a good player, and he was solid for them, but, like, that's why they drafted Drake Jackson. I could see him as a D'Amico, uh, going with D'Amico to Houston. Just he's a, he's a, You know, one thing about Samson Abicom, who probably doesn't get enough credit for, he's a really good run defender. Like, really, really good edge setter and, yeah. and good in the run game. And, and um, pretty durable. Yeah, yeah, and it definitely played through some stuff, too. So, um yeah, I mean, his price is probably going to be maybe, you know, adjusted for inflation, similar to what he had uh, on the two-year contract he signed with the Niners, but uh, probably a little bit out of their range, I would guess. Um, I think they would like to have him back, but um, that's one that would make sense as like a just kind of a quality signing for D'Amico Ryans, like as he tries to kind of set a culture in Houston and stuff like that. Do you think that when it comes to guys leaving the Niners to follow D'Amico, the fact that the Niners are way closer to contention than Houston would play a role in that. It could. It like Samson Abicom's entering the back end of his prime. It's like, does he want to spend that in San Francisco or does he want to go be part of a rebuild in Houston? I think the money is obviously going to be the primary factor there because Samson Abicom is not a guy who's, I mean, he's obviously done well for himself, but he hasn't cashed in big and not that he would in Houston, but that, you know, going somewhere where the taxes are much less and, and don't exist and compared to compared to here and all that, that does matter for a guy like that. I think uh, when you're looking at the big picture. So um, yeah, I think it would just depend on, you know, what the, what the offers look like. Although I think that's a fair, a fair question to ask. And it is interesting because, you know, when Salah left, I think we all assumed like, Oh, Salah is going to take all these Niners with him. And I think like, Tevin Coleman was the only one, I think. That this is Ronald Blair erasure. <laughs> 
I, but he never signed, did he? Oh, he, yeah. dude, he played. Yeah, there. Ronald Blair played there. Did he? Ah, well, yeah, was he, it so did Solomon Thomas. But that was that was not the first year, though. Oh yeah, I think Ronald Blair was the first year. Solomon Blair Thomas might have was been. Blair might have been, but that was the only two I think it was. Yeah. Anyway, and Ronald were... Blair started three games for the New York Football Jets in 2021, sir. Four quarterback <laughs> hits and a sack. Okay, there you go. When you so, win, you put Ronnie, or if you want to win, you put Ronnie in there. Right, right. So <laughs> those are the only two, I believe. But uh, yeah, and then Mike McDaniel left, and he he did like he took all of the like offensive guys, but random ones like River Craig. Well, he took he took all the coaches too. Right, but he, he took, took Wes Walker and John Benton and uh, Moster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows? Yeah, I think Stephen Abacom's coming back. I think he's gone because I think he's like the difference between like the Niners offering him four million and Houston offering him five and a half is like substantial. When like the biggest payout you've had in your career is twelve. Charles Omenahu who's on this list as well. Um where do you land on Charles Omenahu? He's so, a guy I could see following D'Amico to Houston. Like I think he's gonna get paid. I so I kind of would rather bring back Omenahu than Ebukam. Because yeah. Amena, who's a little bit more versatile, like he can, he did some interior pass rushing that was that was really helpful for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean Amena, who's a little bit younger, um, but Amena who might be kind of expensive. How many sacks did he have? Like he might be that guy, because like Ebukam is going to be looking for his third contract. Amena who is going to be looking for his second, and there could be a team like Houston. To your point. That looks at him as like, oh, he had four and a half sacks last year after having, you know, he already had four in 2020 at four and a half last year. Maybe like, you know, he he can be an eight sack guy with a bigger role. I could see that. Um, but I it, like if I were if I were choosing between Amenahu and Ebukam, I think I would bring back Amenahu. But obviously that's the, you know. Factoring in all the uh, all the off field stuff and the arrest and, and everything like that, like let's see how that plays out first. Well, all those it, things. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go, Kyle. It's fine. All, <laughs> it's my podcast, so <laughs> I am going to go. <laughs> uh, no, all the things you, Chris you just said about Omenahu are the reasons that he's going to get than Ebukam is, and that's why I think the former will be back and the latter won't. Nick. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think Omenahu. If you look at the way his the last like year and a half played out for him, he was basically on the Arden Key plan. Um, and Arden Key came here and kind of rehabbed his value by showing his versatility and played really well. And then got a nice little deal from Jacksonville. I think it was Jacksonville, right? Last offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably what's gonna happen with a minute who is he's, he's gonna price himself probably priced himself beyond where the 49ers can go. Um, but I do think they would like to keep him for that reason because to to Chris's point, uh, he was probably, at least on a consistent basis and being available every week, their second best defensive lineman this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, next on the list is Emmanuel Mosley. And I think if he plays the whole season and doesn't get hurt, I think he was playing well enough that he was going to price himself way out of whatever the 49ers are going to afford. But because he got hurt in week five and he's coming back from that ACL tear, I really think it puts him in play for the 49ers. And I do think he winds up resigning. Yeah, I think it's it's, this is like a one year, five million dollar deal kind of written all over it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he'll be back. Maybe you get a second year. Uh, Maybe you do something similar to 
um, you know, the deal they gave Greenlaw during the season, but on a lesser price tag, you know, two years, 10 million with six guaranteed or whatever, something like that. But um, I, cause I do think they would have tried. I think I, I know that they were trying to work something out with him before the, as the season, the season rolled along so that they could get him kind of locked in like they did with Greenlaw at a reasonable mm-hmm. price. So um, yeah, if, if you're him, you know, I don't think the market is going to be huge for a guy coming off an ACL. And so where do you feel most comfortable reestablishing your value? Well, it's the place that you know the best, you know the scheme, you know your teammates, all that kind of stuff. And if he goes out and plays well, he'll, he'll get a chance to cash in. Staying on the defensive side, if you're looking at the list, guys, I'm going to skip over one and stay on defense. I was going to say, we got a, we got a really big one we got to talk about here soon. Yeah, I want to, I'm going to save that one. Aziz Alshire, is he a traveling with D'Amico guy? That's the one, if I'm circling a player that's definitely going to Houston, it's him. Yeah, I don't see them paying a third linebacker, given that they have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw under contract. I think it makes... <laughs> I think it makes sense for them to like maybe that's where you invest one of your third round picks so you have like a you know another a cheaper insurance policy cuz I like whether it's Houston or somewhere somewhere else I think people look at Alshire and be like oh like he was a third linebacker on arguably the best linebacking core in the league and played for a really good coach and um you know knows how to be a part of a good defense like a rebuilding team or a team in the market for a middle linebacker could definitely cash him out to like I don't know seven eight million a year. Like, would that be crazy on yeah, the open no, market? Yeah, and just to give people an idea, like on the last day uh, when they had open locker room and locker clean out day, it was like a very poorly kept secret. Everyone was basically acting like Aziz, especially Aziz, is not going to be back. Like Fred Warner, <laughs> Fred Warner was kind of openly talking about like, man, this sucks. Like, that's my guy. I'm so proud of him, but like just realistically, like there's almost no chance that this guy's going to be back. And it, I will say this too, like these stories, it's all, you know, you're always happy for these guys who work really hard to realize their dreams and get the, but like Aziz Alshire of all people, like if he gets a nice contract, that is a cool story. Anyone that knows his backstory, like what he's been through to, to get to this point and make this happen. Like he'll be, it's one guy that I know the Niners will likely miss. Well, they'll definitely miss him if he leaves. Um, but they'll also just be incredibly happy for given, you know, all that he's kind of been through to, to get to this point. Yeah, I would agree. Super nice guy. I'd be stunned if he's back. Super nice yeah. guy. Yeah. Robbie gold. Are the Niners going to have to find a new kicker this off season? Franchise tag, baby. Franchise <laughs> that's a, tag. That's a tough one. I, re- I really think like, I, I don't have a good feel for that. Um, I, th- I feel like the Niners have been very adamant about like bringing him back because they, they can just depend on him. Right. Like they don't even want to think about that position. Right. And so like having Robbie gold has made that easy on them, but um, his price tag has continued to creep upwards. And, you know, is, is there a limit on what they're willing to pay for that level of comfort? I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. And, and, you know, we always hear about him trying to get back to Chicago and all that kind of stuff. Although he re-signed what twice now after saying that, uh, so so I think um, I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone. But I also think the Niners, so long as the price doesn't get too prohibitive, would probably like to just keep continuity there. The franchise tag for a kicker, I'm guessing it's under the special teams label, is five point four million. It'd which be is wild if it wasn't under the special teams label. Well, there's no kicker designation. It's just a special teams designation. So, right. But 
it's tough because like, man, that's kind of a lot of money for a kicker when we're talking about like, you know, they're not, they'll be like losing Aziz Alshire, one of these pass rushers, clearly more valuable positions, but also like if you need to make a game winning kick, you'd love to have confidence, you know, in the playoffs, you'd love to have confidence in your kicker. That's probably worth $5 million, but shit, that's a lot of money for a team that's pretty pretty cash strapped when it comes to cap space at the moment. Well, and when you don't want to go for it on fourth and one from the 18, you want a kicker you can lean on. You know? No, just me? Okay. I was certain Robbie Gold was gone until he started talking shit about Jalen Hurts. I was like, man, maybe he's coming back. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Robbie Gold said, quote, if you make Jalen Hurts play quarterback, you're probably going to have a pretty solid day on defense. That's insane. I mean, Robbie Gold, low-key, might have been the most important 49er in the Dallas game. Yeah, big with that, tackle with, on Kevontae Turpin. Yeah, big tackle on that kickoff return and nailed all of his kicks. And a pretty tough, that like, the him, wind was tough at, at Levi's that day. That makes him qualified to say that about Jalen Hurts, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, when it, I saw that. I, I thought it was a joke at first. I thought it was one of those, like, fake graphics. It's not. He said that. About the Eagles quarterback. That's nuts. I think Kyle Shanahan would rather fork over the money to not have to worry about kicker than to like to make to make it a project to go find like the best kicker they could draft in the fourth round or whatever. There's a there's a price tag on peace of mind at yeah. that position that Kyle Shanahan has. I just wonder what the limit is on how high that price tag can go. So that would yeah. be the only question I have. But yeah, I don't think five million would be considered too much. I think that would be about right in the range of what that limit is. Yeah. Do you think that same thing applies to long snapper taper pepper? No. <laughs> Damn. Oh man! I think they should franchise Pepper. I don't, sure. gonna, I don't think they're going to pay five million dollars for any long snapper. I'm just—that's nothing against. Oh table. no, no, no! I didn't mean the five million dollars. <laughs> I meant the like, peace of mind thing. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. I if they franchise him, is he under the special teams tag? <laughs> if they franchise Pepper. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> five point four million for a long Not snapper. Center. <laughs> I, yeah. I I hope they bring back Pepper selfishly. Oh, I, I am sure that Kyle Shanahan was very annoyed a few years ago before they found Tabor Pepper. And they remember when Kyle Nelson was going through the yips and they, oh, yeah. they were cycling through. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan was very annoyed by that because he had to spend more than three seconds thinking about who his long snapper was going to be. <laughs> I guarantee like, that was not one of his favorite things during his tenure as head coach. Tabes was like their fourth long snapper that year, right? Yeah. They had one dude retire like after one game, right? Yeah, Yeah, the uh, old Raiders guy. Yep. Played one game was like, ah, never mind. (laughs) Had enough of this. Don't don't have the same don't have the same MPHs on the fastball anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Let's uh let's rip through the last couple. Daniel Brunskill and Jake Brendel. Can we talk about Mike McGlinchey at some point? Yeah, I was saving him. Okay. (laughs) Just making sure he was way up on the list. Brendel and Brunskill? Yeah, we'll get to Mike McGlinchey. Fuck. Killer bees? <laughs> <laughs> Some yeah. sort of attorneys at law or something? Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I would imagine that they'd like to have, certainly Brendel, I think they'd love to bring him back. I, I'm really interested to see. I have no feel for what his market's going to be because I think, you know, he's a journeyman basically coming into this year. 
And then he starts and plays pretty well. I don't think he was great, but he was pretty good and reliable and out there for the whole season. But will other teams look at that and say, oh, we can get the same thing out of him or he's somebody we want to invest in? I think the market probably is going to favor the Niners on that one. Like the Niners, put it this way, the Niners will value him more than other teams will. And therefore his price will keep it reasonable or be reasonable. So I would imagine that he's back um, on, on a fairly reasonable deal. And then Brunskill, it's hard to say because he's a versatile guy. And I think that versatility can be valued and there's just not good offensive linemen out there. Um, I, I think the Niners would probably like to have him back too because of that versatility, but uh, maybe he's somebody who does land a, you know, a decent deal somewhere else, like a, you know, in a Miami or a New York jets or one of the teams that has some familiarity with them. That's like the reason why you draft Nick Zakel, right? Yeah. So like, so you don't have to pay Daniel Brunskill. I don't want to lose my guy in the locker room, though. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, love Dan. Um, good, good on on Brendel, oh, he's a... talking about Nick Zakel. Great interview, Nick Zakel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd sit down with like him for 12, twelve minutes of that before a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bet he was thrilled, like watching this rookie class and being like, "I'm." <laughs> yeah, he he can he'll always carry that with him. He was on the set. He was driving the Let Brock Pretty Cook bus. On, on, on Brendel. <laughs> <laughs> Back on track. Here we he go. was a uh, he, he was a big Chris Forrester guy. So I could see, you know, like with the with Chris Forrester putting that much faith in him and really sort of like telling the world that this guy's going to be our starter, even before he had established himself with any sort of NFL track record. I think probably gives the 49ers an advantage mm-hmm. in terms of like you know Brendel having one season and then going cashing out somewhere I don't know I think he's probably back on something like a two-year deal that's modest so he might be able to hit the market again after two more seasons when you know he could solidify his track record and then maybe teams could say oh he's not just a Chris Forrester guy or whatever right. um Brunskill I have no feel like I have no idea because I mean paying <laughs> back paying- right guard yeah, I mean they had they they have Colton McKivitz, they have uh they have Spencer Burford, they have Jalen Moore. Like, you know, at, at some point you draft all these offensive linemen, like that should that should make it so you don't have to pay a backup. Right. And I feel like I don't think they have a lot of choice besides Brendel at center, unless they they draft somebody and, and feel great about it. Yeah, but, I mean, Zakel and Poe are like the two young guys, but I don't think any, I don't think they think either one of those guys is necessarily ready or going to be. So. Right. So I think they don't really have a choice with Brendel. With Brunskill, he's a guy that I, in my head, it's just like, oh, yeah, they're going to bring him back. But he's not. But then on like the second day of free agency, it's going to be like the Vikings signed Jake Brendel for two years and 14 million. It's like, what? That's crazy. You mean Brunskill? What did I say, Brendel? Brunskill. Yeah. Sorry, I get the bees all mixed up. Yeah. The no, law firm. Yeah, it's a, attorneys at law for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah, that's a th- and that's the thing. It's And this will bleed right into the McGlinchey conversation, but like solid offensive linemen who, can, who are durable and available and, you know, maybe don't light the world on fire, but are solid players like they often find a way to get paid. And mm-hmm. I know people last year were stunned when Lakin Tomlinson got $13 million a year, but Lakin Tomlinson is probably 
an eight or $9 million a year player just for, in terms of his like talent level, but there's a four or $5 million addition to that because the guy's always available, always on the mm-hmm. field. And, and so I think that's the kind of thing where you're not, I'm not, obviously not saying Daniel Brunskill is going to get that kind of deal, but his availability, you know, it might be one of those situations where it's like, yeah, this guy's, you know, a $2 million player, but we're going to give him 2 million more and he's going to, you know, get a three year, $12 million deal or whatever, that kind of thing. So, um, and to, to, to Chris's point on top of that, at that point, you're like, okay, you know, if you're the 49ers, that's an extra 3 million versus a guy you have on a rookie contract that you're probably not going to want to spend. I could see a team yeah. being like, we're, we have an opening at guard. Like they run a similar offense to Kyle Shanahan. He'll be a starter at guard and then an option to play like swing tackle. Right. You know, so that, I think that that's probably where that is. Here's um, how I want to start the Mike McGlinchey thing. Sure. Mike McGlinchey doesn't suck. No, Mike McGlinchey's actually a good player with just right. a handful of bad plays, and people only know him for his bad plays and what happens on social media. I sent out, and I know that Twitter is not real life, and I know it's not representative of the majority and all that. But I tweeted that I thought the Niners are going to have a difficult time replacing Mike McGlinchey, like finding a player that's that good. That's as good as he is. It's just not like they don't just grow on trees. He's still a first round talent and you can definitely see it when he's run blocking, particularly on those outside zone plays that they like to run so much. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a, he is a above average right tackle. And that's like hard to find. Could they find somebody? Is Colton McKivitt's going to step in and be okay? Like, yeah, it's not going to be a disaster, but it'll, it'll probably be worse in more ways than it's better. And so I just said that on the internet, which is dumb. And the amount of people that think Mike McGlinchey is like the worst right tackle in the league is insane. It's actually nuts. I get that he has his bad plays, and I get he got tossed by Micah Parsons, and I get sometimes he gets beaten past bro. But, dude, he is he is an above-average player, and he's going to get paid like it, and I don't think there's really any chance the Niners resign him. I, I would – yeah, I would agree. Um, the franchise tag number for offensive linemen is $18 million. I don't think he's getting that, but like if Mike McGlinchey got three years and forty million from like some other team, would anyone really be shocked? I bet I'd, I'd be surprised that it's low, honestly. Oh, wow, three and forty. The Niners should receive. I think. I mean, I think he. I think he clears what Tomlinson got, which was thirteen million a year. So, I mean, I think that that's about what you just said. Three for forty, right? So, yeah. So. I mean, I think he's going to get between 15 and 16, somewhere in there per year. And here's the thing is people look at it and say, well, even the people who dislike Mike McGlinchey will say, oh, he's a good run blocker. He stinks at in pass protection. Well, first of all, he doesn't stink in pass protection. He's He's been pretty average, and he, he, got, he was better this year oh, on the whole than he was normally. But if you're great at both of them, you're a $20 million a year player if you play tackle and you're a great run blocker and a great pass blocker. There's just not a lot of guys who check those boxes. But, you know, talking to Mike McGlinchey, I talked to him for a long time on at the end of uh, at the end of the season in the locker room. And he's very realistic. Like you can tell he and his heart of hearts would love to come back. He's getting married this summer. His, his fiance is from out here. They're going to set up shop here. Even if he's not playing here, this is going to be where his off season home is. So he would love to stay, but he also 
is very realistic. Like he, he even mentioned something like we've got a lot of good players in this room that need to be paid, including one who's going to like completely break the bank. He's referring to Nick Bosa. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jake Rendell. Yeah. Right. Dante Johnson. Um, But, but I, I think, I think that's, I think that's kind of the realistic situation that he's in where it's like, yeah, I'd like to come back. But he also said this, and this is my favorite, one of my favorite quotes of the year was I'm also not an idiot. And his point was, is, yeah, money matters. And he was very honest about that. Like, I want, I'd love to stay, but I'm not going to, like, I have a chance to set myself, my family up for generational wealth. And I'm not going to miss that opportunity um, to stay here because I can still make my home here and, and build my family here with my wife or my soon to be wife. So I think that's the situation that it is. And I think he's very realistic and very self aware that. Yes, he'd love to come back. Realistically, his market is probably going to take him to a place that the 49ers just can't go, which is why I keep making the the Lake and Tomlinson comparisons. But like, I think it's going to play out in a very similar way where the Niners in their mind, we have a price that we'll pay for Lake and Tomlinson. And it's a lot of money. But once it exceeds that price, we're going to have to bow out. And that's probably what's going to happen with Mike McGlinchey. Which means like... Given they're probably not going to be able to pay him, they're probably not going to go out and spend on another right tackle in free agency, which means you're looking at Colton McKivitz, maybe Daniel Brunskill, if you decide to bring him back. But like that, you know, it, it probably wouldn't feel great about it. Jalen Moore, like Nick, are are you exp- like is is McKivitz probably the guy that they feel comfortable with right now? at that spot in your opinion or do you think this might be a situation where maybe they do some maneuvering and and find a tackle they like early in the draft they might have to trade up for or something like that yeah i think i i think the answer is yes to both of those things um i think mckivitz would be the leader in the clubhouse um because he's the guy who's the most proven out of the guys that are under contract for next year. But um, I definitely think that that will be a high priority. Uh, The offensive line in general should be a priority for them. I think they could use two or three uh, reasonable investments there. Obviously they don't have a lot of high picks, but even if it was a situation where they were packaging to get higher into the third round or um, late into the second round or whatever, um, I think, I think that's going to be a priority for them. But yeah, in terms of, like last year, they were in a position where if they lost some of their higher price free agents, they they the trade off for them was is that they were going to get one big bite of the apple, right? And that was the choice they made. And I think I personally think it was the right choice. I think we'd all agree, right? Like Lincoln Tomlinson's a good player, DJ Jones is a good player, but Charvarius Ward was a bigger need for this team. They needed that cornerback, right? So that was the the right decision. I don't know that they're going to have the luxury this year of being able to tr- have that trade off where it's just going to be more of like. These are the losses that we have. We're going to have, but we're not going to be able to replace them. The good side of that is, is a year from now you're going to get the comp picks back for losing the McGlinchies of the world and 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 the Amenahus and and whoever else and the Garoppolo's. So that's that is the that's kind of have to be kind of the calculus here. But I, I definitely think offensive line is going to be a theme as this offseason goes um, of how they try to kind of, you know, bring in reinforcements without having a ton of resources to do that, so to speak. Yeah, it feels like this is going to be a less active offseason for them than we've seen in the last couple of years. Until outside, un- outside of Bosa, there's Yeah, then we can just talk about like a big move to me. <laughs> I was going to say with quarterback. Until until Brock Purdy has to miss a full year and then and then we're back to talking about that. I just need J- look. 
<laughs> I want all the best for Jimmy Garoppolo in his life. I don't want him on the 49ers anymore. He'll probably sign during the first week of free agency. I would be very surprised. Yeah, if it's going to be the best. I'm popping a bottle. Like be in celebration or like pouring one out for the homies? No, in celebration. <laughs> I'm so sick I, I of feel saying bad. I, I feel bad for Jimmy, man. It's not a Jimmy. It's not a Jimmy. Thing. It's just like, a, hey, this needs to end. No, I know. I just feel bad for the guy. Like he tries. He gets hurt. He's a good teammate. And like everyone hates him. <laughs> even Kyle Shanahan kind of seems like he hates him right now hey also we had a doctor on the radio station I produced a show at 95.7 the game in San Francisco shout out Um, and we asked him about the notion that Jimmy Garoppolo could have played in the NFC title game and he said a, an NFL player playing it eight weeks after that injury would have been like one of the fastest return times for a human being with that injury ever. And it would have been just short of a miracle that he was on the field. And even if he had been on the field, he wouldn't have been able to like push off and move like normal. Did the doctor consider Jimmy rubbing some dirt on it beforehand? (laughs) (laughs) Can't say he did. Okay. Maybe maybe ask him that the next time he's on your radio yeah. station in San Francisco. 95-7. Pour some Tussin on it. <laughs> uh, I have nothing any, else to say about free agents. Tayshawn Gibson, Josh Johnson, Tyler Croft, Kerry Hyder, Hassan Ridgeway. Thoughts? I'd bring Ridgeway back. Yeah, Ridgeway Nick's, a big, Nick's a big Ridgeway guy. They, they missed him. This, the latter part of the season, their run defense, the, it wasn't bad, but it tailed off a little bit. They missed they missed having him. He's He was a better player than Javon Kinlaw this year. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. Oof. Not a high bar either. Oof. No, it's not. It's not. Jordan Willis? Take my hat off before I say that. I, I could see Willis being back. Yeah, I could see him being back. Good teammate. Good special teams guy. Versatile. Versatile, yeah. 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 All right. I, I was gonna make a joke. You're gonna, gonna make say? a joke. Is it? A, or is it? Is it? Are oh, you gonna okay, hang on, hang on. Let's 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 no, rewind. No, 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 no. Let's re- that's a. It's crazy that Patrick Wilson the whole thing. Um, but also like I'm not disparaging the people who are in. Somebody was like he should be in over Rondé Barber. That's insane. Rondé Barber should have been in a long time ago. Rondé Barber's great. But anyways, um, him and Zach Thomas have almost the same exact resume if you look at it. Patrick Wilson, Zach Thomas, like the same number of All Pros, the same number of Pro Bowls. And to me, like, okay, that's fair. Like, if we're, let's put, let's say that that puts them on an even playing field in terms of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And then let's just use the eye test on like who was the better player. And like Patrick Willis goes up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. that, like, and that's not to then like that's, Zach Thomas deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying he doesn't. I agree. But if I'm evaluating those two players, like, okay, everything else is the same. Now let's just watch the game and who was the more explosive, like, difference making player. And it's Patrick Willis. I, I, uh, you know, I've co- I covered, you know, Willis from afar, covering the Rams for so long. And I used to love talking to Steven Jackson whenever it was Niners week because mm. he had so much respect for Patrick Willis. And actually, I think Chris was with me the first time I met Patrick Willis, which was at the uh, the uh, BCS. Uh, was it the, the college football, football playoff championship? Yeah, CFP, the uh, Clemson and Alabama game. And we were huh. on the sidelines and Patrick Wilson was there. And I remember we started talking about Steven Jackson because I said Steven Jackson used to love going in. He's like, yeah, man, that, but those two used to have some monster right. collisions. But but Steven Jackson would tell you that's one of the best players he, he ever went up against. Yeah, Steven Pat Jackson was, was incredible. 
Yeah, so Zach Thomas played for 13 years and Pat Willis played for eight, which is the thing. I think I'm, honestly still had the same amount of accolades. No, so, I know, I know, that, but that's the, the, I think that's the difference between when people are, are yeah. making those differentiations. Well, Thomas well, and, has been and, on the ballot longer too, so it. I'm sure there's some of that. Yeah. That's it to me. And I, that's where I have it like Willis is gonna get in eventually, but they're gonna look at guys like Rondé Barber, who's been up a few times, and they're gonna look at guys like Zach Thomas, who's been up forever. And I think it's just like a gotta wait your turn kind of thing. You know who else needs to be in the Hall of Fame? And I will keep banging this drum until he's in there. Lorenzo Neal. Tory Holt. Tory Holt. Ooh. I think Niner fans would agree with you. He was a thorn in their side for a long ass time. You go back and look at it's the thorn in everybody's side. Like when the when when this first kind of became the passing era after the greatest show on turf, like Tory Holt was like the first one who was regularly putting up 1,300 yards a year. I think he did it like six or seven. Oh, my seven God. Years. Like, he, he's just outrageous. Holy crap. Led the, led the league in receiving twice with 1,600 yards, almost 1,700. He had 1,300 yards in one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive years and over 1,108 consecutive years. I think he was the first to ever do the 1,300 at the time or maybe second uh, after Jerry. God, that's crazy. He missed. I didn't realize double digit touchdowns in three out of four years. He missed he's three. The... He missed three games in eleven seasons. He's also the last. Oh my god. He's also that's like the crazy. last guy from the greatest show who's not in. And I think I think it's time to put him in. So Patrick Willis, Tory Holt, get it done, committee. Hell yeah. Hopefully Mayoko yeah. listens to this. I always, well, I've told Mayoko before both of those things. So, <laughs> <laughs> shouts to Mayoko. Um, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Let's I'm get let's here. get out of here. Patrick Willis say... is the best linebacker I've ever seen play. If he were if he had a bigger personality, i.e., like a certain Ravens linebacker, like I think he'd be more famous and and more highly sought of. But because he's so Patrick quiet. Wayne. And sort of, and sort of subdued. I think Patrick Willis is not on the same uh, same on the same wavelength in voters' minds as certain other linebackers who may or may not have used deer antler spray or been accused of pretty ridiculous things. Totally, <laughs> just, I agree. Just light the match and drop it and walk away. I didn't think. I didn't think. <laughs> I didn't think when Patrick Willis retired. I was like, that's the best linebacker who I will ever watch in a 49ers uniform. Like, that's crazy. And then Fred Warner comes along, and it's like, man, he's pushing it. I will say 2013 Navarro Bowman, before he got hurt in the NFC Championship game, was like, just for that season, was at Pat's level. Yes. He was unreal. Didn't he, he should have won defensive player votes? Yeah, he should have won. I Like, that was insane to me that Luke Keekley got it. But anyway. Crazy. Keekley, a good player. Also, uh, Learned under the 49ers new defensive coordinator or played for him for a year. So oh, we haven't talked about Steve Wilkes. Let's talk about Steve Wilkes in next week's pod. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say right now. <laughs> Dude, I was like, bro, I got things to do, man. <laughs> Steve Wilkes was born on a cold winter night. <laughs> <laughs> Pull up a chair, Kyle. Let me tell you all about Steve Wilkes. Uh Steve Wilkes defensive uh, coordinator August, for your Mizzou Tigers in 2021. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Also born August 8th. So it was probably warm wherever he was. <laughs> a week before me. <laughs> like several years. Chris <laughs> just going out of his way to ruin my joke. <laughs>
Um, okay, great. We'll get a Panthers writer or something on to talk about that. It'll be great. We'll yeah, have a great time. Cool. Okay. Nick. Subscribe, rate, review. Nick, thanks for hanging out and yep. coming on here so I could drop a joke <laughs> that didn't that, work. That no one's going to laugh at It's <laughs> a long pod. Unexpectedly really long. long pod. All right, let's get out of here. Well, when you have an award show, you talk about <laughs> right, You got to give Kelly Clarkson her due before you get off the pod. There's no question. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com